Have you been wondering if and how AI, artificial intelligence, could work for you and your business? Stay tuned as I talk to CEO Evan Ryan as we cover a lot of ground, talking about the importance of having a results-based culture, how to retain top talent, primarily by how to free them up from all the boring, repetitive tasks, and how to go 10x with the same size team that you have now. Enjoy. Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. I am really excited today because I have a really good friend and my Colby twin as a conversational partner about culture, about remote teams, and about really building in a whole culture of accountability and results focused as opposed to anything else. So Evan Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. And we've been having a ton of fun getting ready for this podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to focus on it, but welcome to the Team Success Podcast. Delighted to have you. Thank you for having me. This is great. So Evan, before we jump in, I mean, you run, founded and run an AI company. So just for people who don't know what that is, can you describe a little bit about you know, what you do when you got started, what your team looks like, all the good things so they have a context to understand what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, so think of AI a little bit like electricity, where electricity kind of permeates everything in your world. And there's a great clip on YouTube of Johnny Carson interviewing a really old farmer. And he asked this farmer, what's the single biggest change that's happened since you've been farming? And he said, electricity which is hysterical to somebody like me who's 26 years old, but it's a little like electricity where it makes everything more efficient, it makes everything more effective, and looking at how can we give companies and entrepreneurs a bigger future and allow them to get more stuff done faster, easier, and cheaper, it's through using computer as a teammate, using AI as a teammate, and using AI as kind of a tool to leverage your team into creating more fascinating, motivating value. Mm, that sounds like fun. I'm sure even if people don't really know what this, they're like, yes, I want that. <laughs> I'm sure you get that. It's like, does everyone want a self-managing company? Yes. You want an automated teammate who makes things faster, easier, you know, cheaper and makes things more fascinating and motivating. Well, and what if you could have a self-managing company that was actually managed by a computer? And so 60, 70, 80% of the operations of your business were actually being done by an AI instead of being done by a human. And, and the team members that you currently have for doing just radically new things and pushing your business so far forward that you can't even believe it. All the while a computer is making sure that the day-to-day operations are being taken care of. It, it never asks for a break. It never takes vacation. It never asks for a raise. And there's never a surprise sick day. <laughs> you just described all the main issues that entrepreneurs have with team members that I've been hearing about for 25 years. So that's pretty funny. You know, in terms of thinking about this conversation, one of the things we talked about yesterday was like, what is the relationship between AI, you know, basically computer programming and humans? So are we trying to eliminate humans from work, which some people would be fine with that idea, at least. How do we take full advantage of people? And how, if we don't do this, is there a cost to the people in our companies? Because I think understanding that interface between them, I think is becoming more and more relevant for a lot of people, but a lot of people do not know how to think about it. They don't know how to think about how do people and technology interface well together. And that's something that I know that you've got some thoughts about. Well, first, let's think about the role of humans and the role of employees. So I often think 
and kind of describe to the CEOs and to the clients that we work with, well, every person on your team has two job descriptions. There's the job description that they signed up for, and then there's the job description that allows them to do the jobs that they signed up for. And so there are all of the little tasks that they do that they don't even know that they do that make it so that they can do their job and they can create the value that they actually signed up for. Mm -hmm. And so instead of thinking about the idea of, well, what's the role of AI and what's the role of humans? I think it's easier to start with what's the role of humans versus what's the role of human computers? Okay. Talk more about that. How many tasks does any employee do on the average day that just kind of keeps the lights on, Mm -hmm. right? It just makes it so that the employee can do the job that they actually signed up for. They can do the thing that they actually signed up for. And what if they didn't have to do those tasks? So what would you eliminate? First, you'd eliminate brain space and energy donated to tasks that are not meaningless, but they're not moving the ball forward, right? So these tasks are like routine tasks, things that, you know, one example that you'd give me is like you close a sale. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole sequence of activities that are repetitive, mostly the same they're not unique to that person. There's a whole series of steps that have to happen. Is that the kind of thing that you're talking about? Yeah, super repetitive stuff. Onboarding sequences. Well, you get a new client and now you have to send the same five emails and you have to answer the same six questions that you had before. You have to point to your FAQ documentation the same three times. And you know that there are only a certain number of ways that any new client relationship is going to start out. It's very repetitive. So what happens then? You hire somebody just to do that very repetitive task because now you want to free up your really key talent in order to be able to do bigger and better things. Well, what if instead of hiring somebody to do this repetitive task that's fairly monotonous that you certainly wouldn't want to do yourself, what if you could just have a computer do that for you instead? And then even this new person that you just hired can do bigger and better things. And kind of thinking about the role of AI, is it here to replace humans, which certainly some people would love to fire half their team and replace it with a computer. (laughs) They would. That's true. But will AI come and take our jobs? I personally don't think so. Imagine in the 1950s, we said that there was going to be a new role that was going to exist in 2020, and it was going to be amazing, and it was going to be called a data scientist. Like, there weren't data scientists at that time. And so a computer and Microsoft Excel enabled this newfound role called a data scientist, which now has made companies bigger, better, moving faster, and made roles more fascinating and motivating for employees. And so the question that I ask is, well, what new fascinating opportunities exist that we don't even know yet? Mm-hmm. Nice. And from a teamwork perspective, from my standpoint, freeing people up for more creative work, for problem solving, to imagine things that haven't been imagined yet, You know, one of the things Dan talks about is Julian Simon's term, human ingenuity. So how do you free that up? How do you leverage it? And I think there's a massive cost when we keep people doing those other types of tasks. So let me just pose a question. Do you see that a company could grow, our favorite numbers, 10 times? With technology, do they need to add 10 times the number of people? Or can you treat team members as teammates, which is cool because it's the name of your company. Can you actually see leveraging people to that point so that they can keep the same number of team members, may not be all exactly the same, you know, composition, but can you see the same number of human beings, but they can grow 10x with technology? Is that a possibility? Absolutely. So let's pose a scenario. A team member is able to free themselves up for five or 10 minutes worth of work every single day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like it's that much, but what actually happens in that first five to 10 minutes? 
Well, the team member sits there and they say, oh my gosh, I don't have to do this task. And in that moment, there's what's called a creativity space where they ask themselves the question, what should I do now? (laughs) In that moment, they can then think of other tasks that they do that they would just love to never have to do again. Mm -hmm. And over time, that five to 10 minutes that they saved per week turns into five to 10 minutes per day turns into an hour per day and five hours per day. Actually, my first task as an entrepreneur, because I didn't want to pay any extra people, and I personally do not like doing the same task twice, was to figure out, well, how could I automate half of my week? Mm. So if I could save 20 hours per week, I could effectively get 60 hours worth of work done per week, working the same 40 hours. So you kind of sit there and over time you think about, well, what are all the different things that I'm doing right now that I could just not do? And it may only save 30 seconds, but if it saves 30 seconds, five times a day, now all of a sudden we're talking about some real time. Saving 20 hours per week saves a thousand hours per year. Nice. Yep. Right. So then you can consolidate your team, put them on the key operations that need to exist in your core business. And then whatever kind of new value your key performers want to create, they can go off and create. So to answer your original question, I think the easiest way for an entrepreneur to grow 10x is by not adding a single dime of payroll, adding AI as their teammate, and freeing up their existing team to create more fascinating and motivating value for them. That sounds very exciting. I'm always talking about unique ability and unique ability teamwork and freeing people up. You and I talked about the activity inventory and getting everything that's on your incompetent, competent list off. And for a lot of people, especially people whose copies are like yours and mine, which is three fact finder, two follow through, nine quick start, five implementer, is that, you know, even if we're mentally capable and smart enough to do a repetitive task, we have next to no mental energy for it. And even people who do have a lot of mental energy for factoring and following through, they want to apply it to new, more interesting challenges and more complex situations, not the mundane, not the things they've done. 18 times and got a t-shirt. It really is freeing people up and leveraging them to higher levels of creativity. So I'm rubbing my hands together. (laughs) You can't see me because this looks so exciting. This is pretty cool. So people can actually get 10x growth and, you know, people are complex. And so you can really simplify the complexity and free people up to do what they're best at is what I'm hearing if you really employ AI to help people do that. Now, it does take a certain amount of consciousness to be able to analyze the jobs that people are actually doing so they can do the jobs they were hired for. So you work with companies, and we'll just talk briefly about this before we get into culture, but you've seen some pretty dramatic results from people in doing that. Oh, yeah. Companies. Just share a win. I'm glad it'd be fun. Well, I find first that when a company starts to really use AI in their business, they sort of have this moment where they can't remember life without it. Mm. It's like life without it simply did not exist. And now the future is just so much bigger than the past. They wake up every day and they're excited about what's going to be happening during the day because every challenge is new and it's exciting and it's moving the ball forward. And their key performers are the ones that are actually the most excited about it. So looking at first, well, what's the culture of our clients after they start to use AI? The culture is so much more positive than it was before. Even if the team was a little bit fearful before, they realized, oh my gosh, I don't have to do all this stuff that I hate. That's pretty exciting. You also have some pretty cool numbers to back up, like the number of hours saved with certain companies that you work with. Yeah, so with one client in particular, in order to accomplish a task, it used to take two people an entire week. Wow. So, Like two people's whole full-time job? 
to people's entire full-time job. Ouch. During peak times, they would have six people doing that job. They would, of course, accomplish three outputs per week, but they'd have six people doing the job. Now with AI kind of as the backbone of their processes, mm -hmm. one person can get the exact same output in seven hours. Wow, that's incredible. So they've already repurposed the rest of their team. So the rest of their team now is out doing the jobs that they actually really want to do. And they're not doing the boring mundane stuff. In fact, so much of their team is so busy creating new value that I cannot get a meeting with them. <laughs> You're like, darn, it worked too well. They're having too much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And they can be freed up to go and, and get new business. That's exactly what we want people to be able to do as long as we can automate the back end is to make sure stuff gets taken care of. But that's exciting. Of course. Our favorite type of example is when the AI relates to product delivery. Mm -hmm. And so when it relates to product delivery, what we find happens is, first of all, you use a fraction of the talent in order to accomplish five to 10 times the result. But second, because you're using a fraction of the talent to accomplish five to 10 times the result, your competitors actually turn into your clientele. Ooh, we love that. Because your cost to deliver becomes so low. Mm. So if you're writing a newspaper article, for example, or you're writing a blog post, you're an SEO marketing company. Pretty much all you do is write blog posts and go through Google AdWords to find the right SEO. And I know I'm oversimplifying their jobs, but that's how I view content marketing. If you're a content marketing company and now you can use AI to write your blog posts, which is totally possible. Well, now all of a sudden, your competition, your competing content marketing companies can pay half of what they were going to pay a blog writer to write that blog post. It's going to be the same blog post for all companies in the exact same space, but they can pay half to have your AI write it that they would pay. And so now both people win. You got a client out of your competitor and your competitor paid 50% of what they were going to pay in order to get the exact same output. Nice. I mean, I knew this because both of us are fans of Abundance 360 and Singularity and things like that. And you shared that, you know, you've had some spectacular results. I mean, that's where I first saw an AI written article and it was like, I didn't know that something other than a human could write an article and it was good. It was decent. But you've done this really successfully with marketing and had some spectacular results. Just share that because I was kind of mind blown when you told me that. We entered a free zone with a newspaper. The newspaper had too many high schools in their local area than they had journalists. And regardless of anybody's feeling on the media, newspapers have a huge economics problem because ads just don't pay enough to pay the journalists. And so for any article that you might read in the newspaper, especially if it's about sports, for example, just for reference, the newspaper probably paid over $150 to get that article written. That means that in order to return their investment, they need something like 25,000 clicks. Wow. And for high school sports, I don't know how many people are clicking on a high school sports article, but I don't think it's 25,000. So what if you could have an AI cover all of your local sports? As a newspaper, that would be incredible because now your cost per article goes way down. You can make more money. You can use your newsroom to cover more interesting topics in the community, to start a new conversation in the community. And what ended up happening was in the first night of this AI being turned on, the newsroom was able to cover twice as many games mm -hmm. as they had in the entire previous season. What? Twice as many games as they had in the entire previous season. By the end of the football season, other newspapers had become clients of this newswire service. So this newswire service was now an AI that was writing local sports stories for different newspapers all across the country. Mm. 
well, what was even more bonkers was that we had an AI write about a game and we had a journalist write about the exact same game. And if you went to Google and you typed in the relevant search results, the AI's article was actually ranked ahead of the journalist's article on Google. And then the AI outperformed the journalist two to one in terms of audience and clicks. Not bad. If I was that journalist, I would not be feeling good. (laughs) (laughs) The journalists that we worked with were great, but the AI outperformed them. Right, they were better. What happened was we ended up being able to also write social media content. Mm. So we could at first write newspaper articles. Well, a social media post is kind of just like a short newspaper article. So what if you could write social media content? Well, a very, very big company then approached us to use our AI in order to be able to write newspaper content. And so we were able to enter a new free zone. Mm. We're publishing automated content. And the first client of this new free zone had all of their social media metrics double. Followers per week, impressions, engagements, anything that would matter on social media doubled in a 90-day span, all with the help of AI. It was absolutely unbelievable. What I find so fascinating is this is not one of the applications I would have thought of for AI in my complete ignorance, just to be honest. But I would have thought about it for backstage stuff, but you just could completely reinvent content marketing. In fact, well, you are. (laughs) Or it has Uh, already. In my and the journalist's defense, me neither. (laughs) But there are actually now companies that are really cheap that will do all of your copywriting for you using an AI. I'll name drop the companies. Copy.ai, if you go to your browser, copy.ai will do all of your copywriting using AI. So will copysmith.ai will do all of your copywriting using AI. You type in a couple of keywords and you tell it what you want it to write and it'll just spit out 15 different results for you. And if you don't like the 15 results, you hit the generate button again and it gives you 15 more. That's amazing. I do like the fact that a human is still reading it and saying yes or no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will go that far. So there does need to be an interface there. That is fascinating. Well, thank you. You're kind of expanding my brain in terms of what's actually possible, which is super cool. And don't worry, I'll make sure that people know how to reach you if they're kind of intrigued by what you're saying. But one of the things that you've been doing and the sentence then why I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to interview you for Team Success is because you've had so much experience working virtually and using systems, AI, for efficiencies and for streamlining and producing results for clients. But you've also thought a lot about what it means for a company culture. And you just had this way of articulating it that just had me just lean in and go, I need to know more about this. So what you said, and this was in our 10 Times workshop, was you said, having a virtual team makes it easier to build a culture based on results rather than on friendship. I was like, that's interesting. And how it's also easier to lose great talent if you're not focused on results. So let's talk about those two things. So let's talk about company culture. I think a lot of company culture is based on friendship and yet how a virtual team actually makes it easier to be focused on results. So tell me about your experience. What had you come to that conclusion? I'm just like super curious. I find that high performers want people to get out of their way so they can do their job. Yes. They do. And they want to know what success looks like. So one of the most difficult things in, I think, a lot of work environments is they have a job description, but they don't actually know what it means if they are successful in their job Mm -hmm. description. And so they are sort of wandering aimlessly into the void because they do a job and they show up every single day and they certainly cash a paycheck. But like, did it move the needle? 
were we successful in what we intended to do? And so I find that in hiring, it's very easy to hire when you're clear about your job is going to have metrics that matter and we're going to track them and your job performance is based off of these metrics. Now, if you meet the metrics, but the value that we intended to create doesn't get created, we had the wrong metrics. And so we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll figure out what we have to do. But high performers want to know that they were successful and they want to know ultimately what that benchmark for success is. Mm -hmm. And they also want to work with other people who are playing that same level of game. It's incredibly frustrating to be an all-star player on a minor league team. It's just... (laughs) It really is. Yeah. You want to play with other people who are going to challenge you, who are going to stimulate you and provoke you in positive ways, which is really interesting. So results versus friendship. Now, I'm a big fan of friendship. Gallup has talked about the 12 questions, one of which is, do you have a best friend at work? But I don't think you're saying, you're not being anti-friendship, you're just being pro-results. Talk about those two things for a moment. No, in fact, I think it's actually easier to kind of be friends in a virtual environment or in a hybrid environment as well, Mm -hmm. because you can have more valuable friendship style conversations. One thing that we do in our business is if we have a half hour meeting set up and we only have to use 10 minutes of the meeting, people can drop out if they're busy and they can go do other stuff. And if you want to stay and hang out, we already blocked off the time. So now people can have an entire 20 minute sort of time period in order to hang out and get to know each other and kind of have more in-depth conversations than what you would have at the water cooler. So the way that we think about it is that the quality is a little bit more important than the quantity. And when you want to be able to not be bothered and not be distracted, not have those conversations and just work, you can just log off of the Zoom meeting or you can log off of whatever you're in right now and you can go do your focused work. And so we find that it's actually easier to kind of get both the results and the friendship because you can kind of pick what you want to do. Now, of course, you're missing the in-person component, but We haven't found that that seems to be a problem yet. Well, and you have a very distributed team. So talk about where you are geographically and where your team is. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. My entire team is not in Columbus, Ohio. I just had a team member move to London last week. My strategic assistant, who I probably talked to seven times a day, lives in Oklahoma City. I have never met her in person. What I know about her is that she's five foot one and she's an absolute fireball. Right. And (laughs) it's all that's important. We get along just great. The performance reviews that my team has for me and that I have for my team are really about the friendship and they're about the kind of metrics that matter. Mm -hmm. In giving my team members access to those metrics that matter at all times, they can always see them. Right. We already know how the performance review is going to go. Okay. And so if their mindset changes, if they are looking for kind of a transition in their life, they know that this isn't the culture for them and they can leave. But those who are really looking for a high achieving growth oriented culture certainly opt in and they love working with kind of the other high achievers across the country and now across the world. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, we were all in person, 97% in person. Then we've been hundred percent remote and then we'll go back to a hybrid model because we still value the in-person as well. But it's interesting, like what I know from a lot of people that I've talked to about remote and distributed teams is that one of the big advantages is you can now tap into talent from across the globe. 
Like you are not limited to the two to 40 miles away from you, especially if commuting is an issue. So is that something that you actively strive for or take advantage of? That is a double-edged sword. Okay. So when the lockdowns all started, my entrepreneurial friends couldn't wait to go hiring talent from elsewhere now that they had gotten their systems to be all remote and the team was used to being all remote. They couldn't wait to get rid of some of the wrong fit team members that now they didn't have to have that in-person face-to-face meeting for. And I love being able to hire the top talent from anywhere. When I have hired talent who was in Canada and then they moved to the United States, now that individual is in London. I've hired talent from Australia, South America, Germany, all over just to be able to get the top talent for what their unique ability is. Uh And it's been incredible. My advice to entrepreneurs who are thinking about it in that abundance mindset, however, is if you think that it's really easy to hire from anywhere, and if you think that it's really easy to fire when workers are remote, wait until you see how easy it is for your team members to quit. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's a lot easier for them to quit when it's remote. So that's the devil. Absolutely. Got it. Absolutely. Think about it from a very practical perspective. When a team member is thinking about quitting and they have to go interview at other places, they have to leave the office. (laughs) Good point. Now they don't have to. No. And so if the work that your company is doing is not fascinating and motivating to the team member, the amount of inconvenience that it is to go find a new job has now become almost zero. Whereas before it was unbelievably inconvenient to go find a new job. And if you are somebody who's hiring from all over, so is everybody else. So they can go find new opportunities whenever they want to. And really as the business owner, as the leader and the entrepreneur, a real part of your role and of your culture now has become fascinating and motivating work. Uh It's interesting. It's a much higher bar, much higher bar. If you have the mindset, which was baby boomer, pre-baby boomer, then it's like, you have to put your time in, you have to slog, you have to put in your three, five, 10 years before you get opportunities. You know, someone else is going to be like, I'm out of (laughs) here. I'm not doing that. I need fasting and, and motivating work now. Thank you very much. So it's dramatically raised the bar. And there's a mindset that works with that, but I kind of love it. And it sounds like all you need, not all you need to do, what to be successful here is be super clear on what you're up to. I love how you called this metrics that matter, you know, setting up metrics that matter, letting people know that if it's not producing the result, we'll adjust them, but that's the deal. You're going to be playing on an all-star team with other goal-oriented, highly motivated people. And then you get to build this team of high performers, which is super fun to be a part of, but you also can't slack, right? right? You can't get inefficient. You can't just go, oh, we'll just put up with that for the time being. Sounds like as a business owner, you have to be on your game. You really do. The stakes have never been higher as a business owner in order to retain top talent. What I found is the easiest way to retain top talent and keep them in a fascinating and motivating environment is, of course, automate the stuff that's not fascinating and motivating. So it kind of comes full circle where if the employee dreads the job that they're doing, Either they're a wrong fit team member for your business or it's a wrong fit task for a human to do. Right. Yeah. Oh, you just encapsulated the entire challenge for everybody so well. (laughs) Thank you for that. I love it. Yeah. So automate the task that people don't find fascinating or motivating. And that's the best way to keep the best talent. 
I've never once been fascinated and motivated by a repetitive task like sending an email. Right. Yep. Really good point. And the other thing, just to talk about fascinating motivating, which is one of the characteristics of when you're doing your unique ability, is it is so fun and fun being one of my operative driving words, but it's so satisfying to be on a team where you get to do what you do best. People aren't micromanaging you over your shoulder because they can't because they're far away, but your results are trackable and measurable. There is something very inspiring about being in that type of environment. It's incredibly attractive for high performers. And if you can strip out all the other frustrations, all the friction that goes along with most jobs, you made yourself an incredibly attractive employer. Cool. This is very energizing for me. My friend Nick Sonnenberg and I talk about the future of work a lot. This is the future of work. (laughs) I'm really clear that this is what it looks like. One of the things I have found with people in different time zones is that it can be challenging to connect with them. Mostly for me, it's been with clients. We're pretty much good to Western Europe. When you get into Hong Kong, Dubai, Delhi, Australia, (laughs) it can get a little more challenging, at least from Toronto, when we're in the same time zone. But you have a way of kind of working out how to communicate with people that allows it to kind of work. So talk about meetings a little bit more and how you communicate, even on urgent things, even when someone's in a very different time zone. So first, I think that time zones are a project management problem. Mm -hmm. And as long as the project manager or you, if you're the project manager, is able to kind of navigate that a little bit farther in advance, I find that it's almost no issue at all. In terms of, well, how do we navigate somebody in Australia, a team member in Australia or a collaborator in Australia, for example, so we have a 12 or 13 hour difference. I don't know that many people that want to be taking a meeting at four o'clock in the morning. Not a good idea. We primarily use Zoom or Loom to just record videos. So the question I really ask is, well, how can we get the feeling of in-person communication without us both having to be on the line at the same time? Mm -hmm. So you can explain a project, you can explain an issue or a new task or a new anything by recording your screen on Zoom or using Loom, L-O-O-M, to record a video. Mm -hmm. And then you can send it off. And it's what's called an asynchronous meeting. So in an asynchronous meeting, you can send off the video. The person that you're sending it to will watch it. They'll understand or not understand what you're saying. And then they can send a video right on back. And it's like you're communicating over the phone, but you're only sending voice messages. Uh And so you don't have to coordinate calendars. I found that it's very, very, very easy. And inside of our team, we have well-defined roles for who gets called if something that's urgent happens. So what does urgent mean and who gets called? And each team member knows where they are responsible for an urgent matter. And if they get a text from me or from anybody else on the team saying we've got a serious problem, they're able to kind of jump in and work through it through Teams or through Slack. But that rarely happens. (laughs) Because you're so good at project management. (laughs) So while we're on this in terms of actual specific tools that you use, Okay, my tools, I mean technology. So Zoom, Loom, Slack, Microsoft Teams. What else do you use? And what project management software do you guys use? We use Trello for project management. Love Trello. I find that it's easy and I don't really like doing project management, but I haven't figured out a way to automate it yet. Okay. Well, there's so many different types of things that fall under project management. It's not one thing. It's a multitude. So that makes sense to me. And to be honest, I find with, not to go on a tangent about project management platforms, but I find that most project management platforms are just a glorified version of Excel. 
Right. So how can we make it so that we're just not spending too much time doing meaningless tasks? We use Zapier all the time. Zapier basically connects different pieces of software together. So most pieces of software that you would buy a 20 to $150 per month subscription to has what's called an API. Mm -hmm. Think of an API as a waiter in between your chair and the kitchen. All they do is carry information. Right. And it connects all these little pieces of software together. So for example, when we get a new customer in Stripe, it triggers our email service to send an onboarding email. Mm -hmm. And then it creates a new project in our project management software so that the customer delivery team can step in and start taking care of the customer. Mm -hmm. So we use Zapier all the time to kind of connect those little pieces of software together. We use Pipedrive as a CRM because Pipedrive has the best Zapier automations. Okay. So we make our decisions based off of, well, can we automate it? Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I would rather pay a little bit more per month in a subscription than pay a person. Yeah. Well, and then you get to hire the people that are actually going to do something brand new and creative, not something repetitive that you talked about. Nice going. Oh, I like that. And cool. as a complete sidebar, the best thing about automating tasks, in my opinion, is let's say that you have somebody, the, the person is a lifer at your company and the person retires. Yes. Now you have to retrain somebody, but that person had all this institutional knowledge of what's going on inside of the business. And that's going to be a really long 90-day kind of upstart period. What if a computer was doing so much of that person's workload and that person was doing new things or they were training their replacement so that you didn't have to kind of go through that onboarding period? I just love it. And so we do make our decisions based off of, well, what does Zapier or IFTTT or Microsoft Flow or Power Automate, whatever they call it now, what can we kind of tie together in order to be able to make these processes a little bit better? That is such a cool way of thinking because almost like how I'm going to relate it is like, okay, how can we integrate that with the people, the capabilities we already have, right? Like to make it super simple, I would totally ask that same question when it came to a human being on my team. Why wouldn't I ask it for what has the best fit for the technology that we're using to automate? I mean, it's the same thinking process that I would do for a human, but never in a million years did it occur to me to actually... <laughs> design, you know, a process based on how easy it is to connect with other software processes. So that's super cool. Before we wrap up, I want to touch on, you know, one of the things about culture, and we've talked a lot about high performance and metrics that matter, but you also have kind of a core value, which, you know, feeds everything else. And that is, you know, your first design principle. So talk about that, because I think that really drives the through line for almost everything you do, both front and backstage. Our first design principle is the best interface is no interface. So we're a software company. We primarily write software and we coach entrepreneurs about how they can install AI into their business. But we also actually build the AI and scale it for our, our clients as well. There's a real interesting trend inside of a lot of software products, which is that we want to make the thing that is the most attractive and it's the easiest to use the first time. And I really respect that. But easiest to use the first time doesn't necessarily mean fastest to use the 1,000th time. Mm. Easiest to use the first time also doesn't necessarily mean that it's not taking up brain space. So what if we could build software that worked in the background without your needing to think about it? Mm. It's kind of like, what if you asked Select a Voice Assistant a question using your brain? 
and it just knew what it wanted to say. And I'm not saying that we're going to be getting to that point necessarily, but what if it just happened and you didn't have to actually go through the steps? So in our world, we really feel that the best interface is no interface because it answers the question, how can we make it so that the team members that are intending to be the users of this are spending as little time as possible doing this work so they can spend as much time as possible doing their unique ability and creating new, bigger, better value. It's so cool because it's like absolute efficiency, but you paid attention to mental energy. You paid attention to time. So all things that are important to both you and me. So I love how you talk about that. This is so interesting. So Evan, thank you for educating me and us about AI because I think it's a big mystery. It's one of those black boxes with a giant question mark on top of it. So you've really explained what it is. And in a very short fact finder bottom line way, which I think is really interesting. One of my big insights from our conversation is that, you know, it might be easier in, it's also easier for people to go out of your company if you are not, you know, adhering to some of the principles that you've talked about. So that. It's a big aha moment for a lot of people. I'm sure I'm not the only one. So if people are kind of interested in more about what you do, how can they connect with you? You know, if they're thinking, okay, oh my gosh, I want AI as my next teammate, you know, instead of hiring somebody and they want to talk to you about it, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. So go to teammateai.com and you can find out more about us there. Mm-hmm. And if you fill out the contact form, it's probably going to go to my inbox. <laughs> do you answer your inbox is my question. After my assistant and the AI, I get the first pass. <laughs> that, my friend, is the right answer. <laughs> if you didn't tell me the you answer your top, I'm like, oh, okay, we got to back up here. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to have a real problem. <laughs> we are. Yeah, perfect. And you're also writing a book on this. I cannot wait to interview you on it as part of it. You know, I love, love, love interviewing authors on their insights. And you have a lot about technology and teamwork. And that's something that Dan is also super keen on. So... I'm excited about that. So I think 2021 is on your calendar for then, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll look forward to that. Evan, thank you. It's so much fun connecting. You and I could talk about lots of different things, but it's a, really a pleasure to hone in on teamwork, on technology, and how we can make it even better. And the whole idea you can grow 10x with the same size team that you have now and no additional investment other than you know, making things technologically more efficient is very exciting. So thank you. Thank you for your great insights. Thanks, Shannon. Okay. Pleasure. Talk to you soon. 